0: Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra, and me, Father David Pelican, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcast, and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, welcome everybody to another edition of Men of the Hearts podcast. On our last episode, Father David took the helm and uh, interviewed uh, Bishop Fisher and all about him and his uh, quest towards the priesthood. And so I was looking back at our podcast and I noticed that we've reached 17 episodes already. Is it 17 already? Yeah. Man. Man. Yeah, so We've been at like,
1: this for a while. Yeah, it's it doesn't impressive.
0: seem like it. It goes goes by really quickly. So, um, yeah, if you haven't checked out any of our podcasts, r- remember that the first couple are, are pretty awful because we didn't know what we were doing, but you can <laughs> we check rookies. them out anyways. <laughs> rookies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you might check it out. You might notice uh, a priest that might be your pastor or somebody that uh, you know, and uh, it'd be interesting to see what led them to the vocation of the priesthood. This month we welcome a priest from the Archdiocese of Detroit who is in a special ministry as he is chaplain for both wayne state university and u of m dearborn he also uh knows divine child parish well for he was stationed Mm -hmm. there as well as his first assignment right
2: first assignment first assignment as well
0: so father matthew hood welcome to the show
2: hey it's so great to be with you guys i'm excited to be here i am also an avid listener
0: of men of the hearts it's oh, awesome. wow. Awesome. So you know the format. You know what we do here. I do.
1: I do. Is, is this the first avid listener we've had on, Father Craig? I think he's the only listener <laughs> that we have on. <laughs> Just don't test me on which episodes I've listened <laughs> to. And Father David, how are you this fine day? Oh, doing well. Doing well. Glad to be here.
0: Glad to be here with you guys. How are you, Father Craig? Oh, I'm in a grumpy mood today. I like. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> cantankerous? I'm cantankerous today, so... Uh, <laughs> We'll see how how that translates out on the podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) So Father Matt, before we get into your vocation story, uh, any blessing or any interesting things that's been going on in your life? Yeah.
2: So as you mentioned, I'm the chaplain for college students. Uh, There's two main campuses and a lot of other campuses that we serve, and this week is fall outreach. So all the students are coming back. The past couple of days, we've been on campus, tabling, meeting new faces, and that's so exciting. Uh, seeing that go from just initial contacts to relationships to inviting them into a deep relationship with the Lord. Uh, So we're in that part now where we're planning for the new year. And uh, yeah, it's very exciting.
0: And you're going to take some of my prayer cards to give out to some young men out there and everything? Yeah, of
2: course. We've got to do the the year of prayer for priestly vocation. So we'll be doing that. And so Father
0: David was saying before we started the podcast that you like traveled around the world this summer.
2: Yeah, I had a little bit of an adventurous summer. I was in (laughs) Brazil for about 10 days for a mission trip with Focus. And we were doing evangelization work and mission work. We landed like at 3 a.m. and then we came back and we, we settled in. Like 8 a.m., they took us out and we started teaching catechesis in a language we didn't know, and we were doing door-to-door evangelization. Like literally, from the moment we landed, we were going. But it was an awesome experience. Who was we with? Wow. This
0: was this like former parishioners, or was this college students? Or?
2: Yeah. So with Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University students, we brought uh, a good number of our own students from Detroit. Awesome. On the trip, so it was it's a trip for college students.
0: Yeah, and I, and I mean I think really, if you're kind of questioning your vocation and where God is leading you, I think a mission trip is a great way to kind of discover what it means to serve people in a different way. And if you really love it, you can find your vocation. Would you say that's correct?
2: Yeah, I think so. It's it's an opportunity for students to really encounter the Lord in a new way, uh, to be aware that the Lord is calling that calling them to follow him. Um, part of what we did for our mission trip is we had a holy hour every day in daily mass. Mm. So, in addition to the service that we're doing, going out, we're also an, an essential part of it was staying in communion with the Lord and being aware of uh, where He was leading us throughout the whole time and how, um, yeah, he, He's calling us to, to follow Him.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What was the That's whole great. thing of the trip? Every time I'd go on vacation with my friends or a mission trip, there was always one thing that kind of stuck out where we kept on repeating a, a certain phrase or something funny happened, and that was the ongoing joke.
2: Yeah, it was trying to find uh, the capybaras. Do you know what capybaras are? (laughs) The world's largest rodent. The world's largest (laughs) rodent. So we went to the city of uh, Petropolis, Brazil. It used to be the place where the emperor of Brazil lived. Mm. And it's known for having lots of capybaras. And the people of Brazil love capybaras. They're like Mm. gigantic guinea pigs. Okay. (laughs)
0: And do they so- keep them as pets or do they nope. eat them or hunt them? Or? <laughs> no, they wouldn't eat them. They love
2: them. They love capybaras and they live in the rivers. Mm. And I never saw one. The entire time we were there, I didn't see one. We'd pass by the rivers and like be glued to the sides of the bus to see if we could see them. And at the very end, uh, one of our uh, missionaries who was on the trip with us was asking... Uh, St. Therese and every saint you could think of so, so that Father Matt might be able to see a capybara and then like on the expressway to the airport I saw this like huddled mass and they told me <laughs> that was a capybara so I saw so some you saw it. yeah,
0: in his native environment uh, on yeah, the side <laughs> of the highway <laughs> very exciting that's awesome, and where else oh, did it's... you go? Like, since you were a world traveler somewhere else?
2: ooh, um I for ten days I was in uh, northern Michigan in Petoskey for another focus uh, event called Summer Projects for college students who go and do seasonal staff hmm. um, at different resort locations. And then in addition to that, they have formation, Bible studies, mass, confessions, adoration every day. Wow. So I was there for their, as their chaplain. That well, was would, great. Where would That's a young great. person
0: get information about all of this type of stuff to be a part of it?
2: Mm-hmm. A lot of it is getting in contact with campus ministry. Uh, all of this is through Focus. So you can go to their website to find out more about that.
0: Yeah. Let's say that like maybe someone's taking a class here or there and maybe not even at Wayne State, can they like join the group over, you know, where you're at? Or do you have to be at Wayne State or U of M Dearborn? So
2: the group that I'm the chaplain for is called Detroit Catholic Campus Ministry. And we really exist to be a hub for multiple campuses. There's some campuses Mm -hmm. that are small in the area that don't have campus ministry. And those students wouldn't necessarily be able to be involved in any sort of campus ministry program. So we want to be a hub for all of them. It's really like the campus ministry for the Detroit area. We're also in Dearborn. So we have two centers, one at Our Lady of the Rosary and then another in Dearborn, the Gabriel Richard Student Center mm, Yeah. Uh, for the students at U of M Dearborn and Henry Ford College.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool.
2: So what uh,
1: what colleges do you mostly get students from currently, would you say?
2: So the two main schools that we serve are U of M Dearborn and Wayne State University.
0: Oh, very good. Uh, first question for you. Uh, do you know what the mascot was at Wayne State University before they were warriors? Oh, I did just hear that. I was
2: uh, talking to a priest who went to Wayne State and he was talking about it. I can't remember what it was. A tartar. Tartar? Was I talking to you about it? It could have been. (laughs) It might have been you. Because I (laughs) am a Wayne
0: State grad. That is uh, the Tartars. My home school there, where I got my undergraduate for fine arts, actually. What is a Tartar? Wow. It it was a. It's the kind of sauce that you put on like fish, you know. (laughs) It was a warrior that (laughs) fought the Mongols back in whatever day. I I have no idea. But In Scotland? I have no idea. I have no idea. I think it's a skirt. But everything... like the different colors the That's a kilt. That's a kilt. I know, but the, the, the design I think is a tartar. Maybe not. I will Maybe. have to look it up. Yeah. Father David, consult consult how you to doing? to Google. I'm doing well. Moving segue from tartars. <laughs> <laughs>
1: how you doing, Father David? Doing well. Are you asking me uh, what a blessing was in the past month? I guess. Like, are you doing anything <laughs> new? Like... Hosting uh, any classes or anything <laughs> like that? Well, yes. Uh, Divine Child started school in the past couple weeks. We go back early, even before Labor Day, and this year I am teaching a philosophy elective in the high school. Hmm. So that has been the adventure of the last two weeks. And how many me. students do you have? I have uh, 17 right now.
0: So that's pretty good for like a new class. And Father's going to teach it, and we're going to take Father's class. Yeah, it's, Would you say uh, that I'm... all your students are like overachievers, like you, and that possibly get all <laughs> A's in school? Well, well, you like to bring that up, don't you? <laughs> I love bringing that up.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They're all great students. Um, uh, they're all. There's a good energy in the classroom. It's it's seventh hour, so it's the last hour of the day, which can be difficult uh, because you you're the last thing between them and freedom. But uh, they all seem pretty pretty engaged um i i heard through the grapevine that one of them said that uh they liked the class but i give too much homework oh yeah, really?
0: <laughs> and it's only been two weeks i, I know two right weeks, a week and a half week and a half yep
2: <laughs> do they so. know they're being featured on the podcast do they get i don't know credit or something I should, maybe i'll
1: this? give them extra credit if okay. they listen you know there you go huh. ah, i like that <laughs>
0: All right, all right. Well, if you listen to one of our first episodes, at least the first five, we would always talk about Costco and how much we love Ooh. Costco mm-hmm. and how Father David yes. became like the Costco we, king. We haven't okay. ta- we haven't talked about Costco in a yeah, while. We've Father gotten David away from became it. Became the Costco king. Yes, and then all of a sudden, exactly. Father huh. Matthew came to the rectory to have dinner one day, and he was really perturbed, <laughs> saying <Yes>. that no <laughs> way can. Father David be the Costco king, that he's the Costco king, that he is the Ooh, priest. That is true. Yes. Okay. So yes. I, I've created a test for you both, a little <laughs> survey. Oh. And it's completely objective. I mean, subjective and how I interpret these <laughs> okay. answers of who will be the Costco king. The reigning oh, I'm Costco going to win. king. I am going to win. So here we again, go. This is all at my own web, I'm ready. And how I feel the answers are answered. Um, so we got Father David... All A Pelican. That's me. And Father Matthew, all good. The (laughs) the hood (laughs) in the other corner. (laughs) All right, so there's 10 questions here. And uh, I think I know the answer to this question, what you guys are going to say, but um, I know what the correct answer is. So Costco Italian sparkling water versus San Pellegrino. Which one is better? Ooh, I'm going to go with San Pellegrino.
2: Uh, because I know my audience. <laughs> if, it, <laughs> if it has Kirkland on it, it just tastes better.
0: Really? Yeah, oh. If it's a Costco
2: brand, it just tastes better.
0: Okay, all right. Costco gas, worth the wait? Or just find a regular gas station and get right in and out? Oh, it's usually about
2: 25 cents I, cheaper every time you go.
0: Is it worth the wait? I mean, would you go every time? It's
2: like a four-minute wait. It moves quick.
0: have wow, four minutes. It is, is a an long
2: efficient
1: line.
0: Life. It is an efficient line. I think I agree with Father Matt on this one. Okay, so both of you would go to Costco gas station, all right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Free samples, a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, one of the main reasons I go. That was the hardest part
1: of COVID.
2: No <laughs> free samples.
1: No, the hardest part was when they brought them back, but yeah. you could only look, you couldn't taste.
2: Yeah, or they would give them to you and you'd have to eat them outside. Outside? Of the store. Yes.
1: Yeah. It was a rough time. All right. Best Costco snack food. Ooh. Best Costco snack food. It's not granola.
2: (laughs) So this is one of my beefs with Costco. (laughs) The, The Love Crunch peanut butter chocolate granola. They only have intermittently. They rotate between like four flavors. And certain stores just never seem to have it. Yeah. And they but, always order all the other flavors more than the the best one. But so but it's, hard but it's to get. kind
1: of a moot point because because the best dessert from Costco is those dark chocolate covered pretzels. You know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, they're okay. You, you, you can't you can't get better than those. I feel like I would get those and just eat them all in one sitting. <laughs> also, a good snack yeah, is just my the, point. The peanut butter filled pretzels. Those are oh down those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: Although I like the uh, Duke sausages, the smoked sausages, but again, they Mm. don't have them all the time. Sometimes Mm. it's something Mm. else. So a little upset that they don't have that all the time. Well, you sort of kind of answered this question already at the beginning, but best Costco brand that's anything better than the name brand? You just think all Costco brand is better?
2: Um, Usually, yeah. The Kirkland? Kirkland.
0: The
1: Kirkland?
2: Kirkland, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, when in doubt, unless I see something I recognize, I usually go with the Kirkland. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Costco makes it easy. You, you know, you go to like, if people if people go to the mall or people go to like a clothing store, <laughs> there's way too many options. I don't need that many options. I even need ju- like three even things just, to
1: pick from. Even just Myers, they have like 10 varieties of cottage cheese. Yeah. Too many. It's too many options. Yeah. Just I don't give us the best that, one. Man.
0: I'll pick that. San so, P- gonna... Pellegrino. That's <laughs> <a good one. laughs> Costco card, should it be able to share it or you have to get your own? Um, You can
1: share it with people in your house. Yeah. yeah. You can do like a household membership. We have a business membership at Divine Child. It
2: pays for itself so quickly. You yeah. get cash rebate on the card, and then also if you have the credit card, you get cash back on that as well. Ooh, okay. do you
1: have the Costco credit card?
2: Psh, who's the Costco king? <laughs> <laughs> it pays for itself. Yeah. I, I uh-huh. There's a lot of things that we buy for campus ministry, so a, a lot of that I get at Costco.
0: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. No bags, only boxes. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, mm. usually when you go to it's Costco, you buy
2: tons of stuff. Yeah. So you need something that holds a lot of things and instead of carrying like 15 different bags. And most of the stuff you buy at Costco is probably too big for a bag, anyways. Yeah, it would. So. It would
0: that's a good point. It would rip the bags. Yeah. When you go down a side aisle, do you leave your cart off to the side to be respectful of other shoppers or you just try to plow through the small aisles? Whoa, with your whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> small aisles are <laughs> not small. They are, they on are the sides, spacious. On the sides, they are, they are spacious. spacious. No,
2: no, they're, they have plenty of room in the side aisles. No, you take aisles. your
1: cart with you because you never know, yeah. you might see something. Where all the snacks are, you might they lose
2: are it. small <laughs> little aisles. Okay, those are smaller aisles, but you can't leave your cart to the side because you'll lose it. Yeah. I mean, there's no... There, there's room for two carts to easily make it past one another. Yeah, no, the problem is when people leave their cart in the middle of the yeah. aisle. That's what causes
1: the traffic jam.
2: Or they stand and gawk yeah. looking at one thing.
1: Which it's like, there's no option, so there's no reason to stand and gawk. It's just, yep. go with it. <laughs> there's no Pull the options. trigger.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I will... Um, Tally up the score and let you know at the end of the episode if you Oh he's gonna hold us in suspense. I, I feel like there's
2: another question you need to add.
0: I feel like the winner is clear. Well, we'll name the question. The <laughs> question is
2: at this time, how many Costco items do you have on your person?
1: Oh. Oh. Now uh so I I feel like you came in here prepared no, I with didn't. that question. I didn't.
2: But <laughs> I'm pretty sure like my socks, my pants, I have some Costco pens. Well, my pants Those are definitely are from not Costco. from Costco.
1: My socks are Costco socks. That's the best place to get uh, mm-hmm. get socks.
0: Um, but I don't have any Costco pants. These pens. guys are Costco crazy, man. <laughs> 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 All right, well, Father Matt, um, why don't you start telling us a little bit about your vocation story and what brought you to the priesthood?
2: Yeah, it was when I was in high school. I had a lot of questions about the faith. It seemed like it was just rules and regulations, don't do this. And I thought, well, if that's all that the faith is, then there's no reason to follow it. I was raised Catholic. Never went to Catholic school, but we went to catechism and went to mass every Sunday. Where was that? My home parish is St. Joseph uh, Parish in Lake Orion. Okay. Hmm. And so the faith was something that, yeah, it was just part of my life, but I didn't really know why. And so I started really asking questions and thinking, well, I need to be able to say why this isn't true. I need to be able to disprove this uh, so that I don't need to follow what seems to just be rules and and regulations. And so this is towards the end of high school. I started to ask those questions uh, a lot on my own, like looking online for the answers that I had and going back to like, how do we know that God exists? Um, And then you know who who is jesus uh, did he found the church and you know at a certain point just because of my personality it was like i was very intense in trying to figure out one specific answer and then i'd find the answer and then just move on to the next thing and be really concerned about that and at at a certain point of realizing like god exists jesus really came that he really did found the church i realized like uh the church always had an answer that was more profound than my question. I think Cardinal Newman said something like that that the answers mm. that the church has are are more profound than the questions that we have. And so there was a point where I was able to like, you know, throw up my hands a little bit and say I have the opportunity to just trust what the church teaches. And there was like a surrender that happened there and I didn't need to be in this frenetic kind of concern looking for every specific answer. And so realizing uh, the truth of of who Jesus is and the church that he founded and being able to trust the church um, was a huge step for me. And at that point, a lot of what was going on in my heart and mind was mainly looking for answers to questions, right? Looking for the truth. What is true? What can I sink my teeth into? And it wasn't until towards the end of that time that I realized like, okay, if Jesus exists and if he founded the church he's not just calling me to know things about him, but he's calling me to know him. Um, and a, a big part even of my own discernment was I started to go to the Adoration Chapel at my home parish. There is a perpetual Adoration Chapel there. And and realizing that this one that I was kn- learning to know who he was, uh, yeah, wanted to be in relationship with me. And that happened... Uh, Primarily through the Eucharist, realizing how close Jesus is to us in the Eucharist, that the same God that created the universe is present uh, in and through uh, the, the you know most blessed sacrament, and it was in those moments, going to the chapel and praying. That I first had that desire to to be a priest, realizing like this is mm. such a tremendous gift. Yeah. Let God... me slow
0: your roll a little bit. Yeah, like let's move back a little bit because we talk about going to Eucharistic adoration if you want to try to find your vocation. So what was it? What was going on in your prayer in front of Jesus in the Eucharist that was leading you towards not only Him but mm-hmm. also ultimately to your vocation?
2: Yeah, I remember that I started to learn uh, to pray with Scripture and. Mm. It was a distinct moment that I remember that I was praying with Jesus, calling the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And and something just clicked in that moment that he was calling me to follow him, to like, Mm -hmm. you know, throw down my nets, put out into the deep. And that he was calling me to follow him as as a priest. Um, And it was something that I was like, no, thank you, Lord, not for me. Uh, maybe in like, you know, 20 years, if I'm not married, don't have a family, maybe I'll think about it then, but not right now. How Uh, old were you at the time? So this was towards the end of high school, 17, 18. I think I was a junior at the time. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So a little bit younger than me, but much like Father David, who had this thought before high school was finished. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And you went to a regular high school? Were you homeschooled? Yes, the first Catholic
2: school. Wow! (laughs) Do you see how he phrased
0: that? A (laughs) regular
2: Catholic school, public school, (laughs) public school. Yeah, yeah. yeah, The first Catholic school I went to was the seminary, so it was all public school. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, which was interesting to see the CARA report, which is just a report that interviews all of the priests of each year and. In fact, there were more priests this year that were ordained who came from religious education classes than from Catholic schools. Interesting. So I thought hmm. that was really interesting. But I cut That's you off, Father. David, what were you going to say? No, no, no. I was just giving you a hard
1: time about being homeschooled. I did want to ask, uh, <laughs> Father Father Matt, um, as you're as a high schooler, you're starting to to pray more in adoration with Lexio Divina, did you find that it came pretty naturally? Were there challenges to just entering into
0: prayer? Wait, wait, you threw um, out a $5, $5 word, <laughs> Lexio Divina. You want to explain that oh, to sorry. some of our sorry. listeners?
1: Lexio Divina, yes, that's a uh, good point. Um, Lectio Divina is just a prayerful way of reading the scriptures. And I guess when... Give an example. When Father met... So, give an example. Mm-hmm. So, let's say you're praying with the story of, you know, Jesus calming the storm, right? and uh and so you you read the passage once but then you're going to sit with it for a while so maybe you read it again and you really pay attention to something some detail that uh that sticks out at you maybe you try to imagine the scene a little bit and you just start to wonder like well how could jesus sleep so peacefully if the storm was going on and starting to flood the boat you know or something else like that and you just linger with it and and you let the scene kind of come alive noticing the details and then maybe even at a certain point you start to you start to speak to the lord in that scene or you, you let him speak to you and uh, maybe maybe your prayer is something like lord calm my own heart the way you calmed the sea you know or uh, or just expressing faith in him the way that the uh, apostles eventually did running to him Um, but you just kind of, you, you enter into the scripture. You, maybe you imagine a little bit, you notice the details that pop out at you. You try to, you try to relate to the Lord through the scriptures. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's kind of what you were doing, Father Matt, as you were in the holy hours, at least to some extent, um, uh. Was that easy? Was it challenging? I mean, I know for me as a high schooler, there were times when like sitting still to pray was incredibly challenging. Like I just wanted to do stuff or be, I'd get distracted every like five minutes or something.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think generally, uh, I, I, it's hard to remember back in high school what challenges I had in <laughs> prayer. Um, so long ago. Really? Probably sitting still was difficult. Uh, But part of the reality too is prayer is meant to not be complicated. Like prayer is meant to be simple. Mm. And uh, usually it's what we bring to the table that complicates things. And Mm -hmm. I just remember having some sort of guide about Lexio Divina, very similar to what you just explained. And yeah, probably not doing it all that well, but the Lord's even able to work with that too, right? Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think if we pray, the best prayer is the way in which you can pray when, yeah, I mean, that's the, the that's, way that yeah, you can pray. yes, you can yes. Pray, yes. You know? so, And then yes. you grow in that and you learn mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. yeah. of course, the Lord invites you into his life a little mm-hmm. bit more. And then that prayer becomes a little bit more and you continue to move on. So, Definitely. So you were in this prayer before the Lord in the chapel and you started to get this feeling that maybe I'm called to the priesthood?
2: Yeah, the best way to exp- explain it is just I felt like the Lord giving me a desire for the priesthood, something that I wasn't ever really familiar with. And which which was strange because I always anticipated, you know, getting married, having a family. And I wanted to kind of push it to the side. I remember one circumstance. There's this long road that leads up to my parents' house. They live in Oakland Township. And so, like, as I turned onto the road, I was like, okay, I'm just going to push this to the side. This is the time where I'm planning for college and all these other things. I'll think about this in, like, five years And Mm. I don't need to think about it anymore. And like at the end of that road, I was like, well, you know, it would be really awesome if I was a priest and doing Mm. this or that, saying mass, hearing confession. Like it it was something that was like persistently put on my heart over and over. And and that's part of me, like, first recognizing, like, okay, maybe there's something more to this that the Lord's calling me to.
0: Well, what happened to you asking those hard questions of not even wanting to practice your faith to getting to maybe I'm called to the priesthood?
2: Yeah. I, I usually tell people, like, I wasn't very successful in seeking to disprove the church's teaching, (laughs) being here now as a priest. But um, it was, yeah, searching for answers and and realizing that what, yeah, that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and that he's calling me to follow him.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So what went on from there? Like,
2: So it was something I kept wanting to push away, but the Lord was persistently kept putting it back on, on my heart. And at a certain point I didn't talk to my parents. I didn't talk. I was in youth group. I didn't talk to anyone there. I I reached out to the vocations director, Father Tim Burney at the time. Uh, I remember I went to uh, uh, the youth conference here in the archdiocese and talked to Father Tim again. And it was after that that I was like, okay, I need to talk to my parents about this. And I, I did. I talked to my parents about it. And at first... It was a huge surprise. They knew that I was getting more involved. I was involved in the youth group and electorate church. So mm-hmm. they thought, okay, maybe there's something there that that Matt's thinking about. Um, but the idea of a call to the priesthood, I never really knew any priests growing up. We didn't have any priest friends in our family. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it was a shock for my parents. And uh, initially they thought like it would be good maybe to go to college for a year and then think about it at that point. And I was... Very stubborn, um, but I, I did end up going to college for for one year, and it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. And I became even more convinced after that that year uh, that the Lord was calling me to be a priest. And then I applied.
0: What after were you that. doing that whole year?
2: Yeah, so uh, I went to Central Michigan University. Uh, you and went it to ishi- a party
0: school. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Although, yeah, I was kind of a nerd. I got involved in like the Catholic group. Day one, so I never really did all the the partying as much, Um, but yeah, and there was a great Catholic group that was there. And thinking about the Lord's providence too, now being in campus ministry, I -hmm. look back to that as really a formative time in my own life, where I was able to grow closer to the Lord and move past that stage of kind of individual kind of searching Mm -hmm. and being a part of a community. Uh, And you know, uh, from that group. First of all, there are a lot of vocations that came from that group. I can think of about five priests and even more guys oh, wow. that entered seminary. A couple uh, women who entered religious life. Um, so yeah, it was it was a beautiful experience that and a great like time for me. Yeah, who was it, the
0: chaplain there at the time? At the time, it was
2: a Jesuit priest who uh, died a few years ago. His name is Father Will Prospero. He had a great mm-hmm. heart for mm-hmm. for young people and for discernment as well. So he was a great guide. Um, during that time.
0: Yeah. So did you learn any tricks of the trade as you became chaplain?
2: Yeah. uh, Tricks of the trade during that time. I I think just having like a firsthand experience of college campus ministry was really helpful for Mm -hmm. me that it's amazing being in the parish versus being on campus. What might take A few years to get something rolling can happen in a very short period of time Mm -hmm. in campus ministry, especially when you're thinking about conversion, that there can be young people that kind of wander in to the student center or that you might run into on campus. And over the course of a very short period of time, like a huge transformation uh, can take place, right? When they Mm -hmm. realize who Christ is, uh, the challenge that Christ calls them to to follow him, Uh, you know, the challenge of discipleship, the adventure of discipleship. And then like in the course of a few months, they're dedicating themselves to making an hour of prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament or discerning their own vocation or leading Bible studies on campus. So it's such a blessing to be able to witness that. And so that was part of what I was able to witness when I was on campus the first time. That's interesting too,
0: is it because, you know, you were asking these questions when you were in high school, like, is God real? What's the purpose of this Mm -hmm. all? And I think we all ask those questions. Yeah, And I think college age, you know, men and women are are really asking that question. They might not vocalize it. They might not be conscious all the time, but when they come against the truth and they see the truth, it's Mm -hmm. like, you can never go back. Right. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. something changed you. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. You know what you want to live for and you just move forward. So yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's some beautiful things that you get to see if you mm-hmm. get to see those conversions take place. Yeah. Recognizing that you weren't necessarily the one that made that happen, but you were just there to provide the opportunity yeah. because that's been God's been knocking on their heart since they were born, right? You yeah. Know, so
2: Yeah. The most beautiful graces are those that we're able to step back and realize like I did nothing here, but God was Ooh. able to do something beautiful, and just to like praise God for those opportunities, being able to witness that is is such a gift.
0: Yeah, because I mean, a lot of times we don't get to see the fruit of our work. You know, we might mm-hmm. be at a parish for a year or two, and then yeah. move on to the next one, and we've touched so many people's lives, and we don't even know it. And every now and then, someone will reach out to me and say, "Hey, you might not remember me, but..." you know, when you did this at the parish, it really changed my life for the better. And I just want to thank you. And it's just like, wow, Mm -hmm. like it's just, those are like those little blessings that really make your day, you know? So it's amazing. So what were you reading and what were you doing besides the campus ministry stuff for that year as you were thinking about applying to the seminary? And how did you work on your parents as well? Because we've talked to other priests too, where their parents were like, truly against it like father brian casa yeah you know Mm -hmm. his his mom was like i'm not going to talk to you if you enter the seminary you know
2: yeah i think for my parents the best thing for them was a little bit of time to be able to process that that i really did kind of unload it on them towards the end of my senior year of high school Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're thinking like this is brand new where did this come from and so that year, even me getting more involved in campus ministry, I think they saw like, okay, there's something real to what Matt is is seeking in this. Um, by the time I was accepted, my parents were, you know, my, yeah, my parents were very emotional and excited for me and, and happy for me to enter seminary. And also like the process of just being in seminary and then being able to come to the seminary right. to see the other guys that you're with, that was really helpful as well, like um, I think every parent is concerned, like they want their, their son or daughter to, to be happy, uh, to have a fulfilling life. Um, I think part of what some parents think about when they think about priesthood is like, will he be lonely, right? Right. And so I think for my parents seeing that community of even, even brother seminarians, but now as, as brother priests uh, was really helpful for them, um, that really like there's loneliness in every vocation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's way more loneliness in marriage than I think there is in priesthood, um, and yeah, it's it's how, how you respond to that. And uh, I think my parents seeing the joy that I had in even just discerning priesthood uh, gave them more confidence, and they're they're great supports yeah. for me. Can now you
0: bring up something mm-hmm. really important too: is this, you know, the fraternity of the brothers, and especially as you know, priests when you're ordained. There's something that comes along with that that bonds you to other priests. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, a lot of the newer guys uh, that have been ordained really take that to heart. And just like you and Father David put together uh, a little get together of all kind of the younger-ish priests or the newly ordained uh, priests the the other week. And it was just great to see all the guys together. We came together for prayer you know we had a meal and then a bunch of you guys uh, like yeah to smoke cigars. what is it with new priests who, who like cigars? what is the attraction there i don't I don't understand that I don't know I, <laughs> I, I smoke cigars I smoked cigars before seminary so my dad uh started
2: smoking cigars uh, when I was in high school and so it was before I even thought about priesthood really that mm. I first thought about you know having cigars um so I, yeah I don't know I think it's I don't know. It's a good way to relax. It's a good way to have conversations that aren't like just transactional, that you have to kind of sit and mm-hmm. ponder things when you smoke cigars. It's about like savoring, enjoying something. Uh, so I think those things are all tied into GK it. G.K.
0: Chesterton would be proud about that.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I don't know if you know this, Father Craig, but the first time I ever smoked a cigar was actually with uh, Father Matt Hood. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Did you get sick the first time you smoked a cigar? You know I didn't. I didn't. It was it was I think he gave me a very light one. So Okay. Uh, Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. But <laughs> <laughs> I think there is something to that that uh guys bond, especially when they're they have something to do, even if it's just something very simple. Uh it, like we bond especially by doing stuff together, yeah. So and yeah. And, and it is a very reflective kind of mm-hmm. slow pace. You just I
2: think we were having a cigar when we said we should have a meeting yes. group of you know yes, young priests actually. together, and that's yeah. true. So it was it was from that, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, the, with that group too, that we we just had like this kind of informal gathering. The idea, like in seminary, you're with guys like twenty four seven, and and you mm-hmm. really get to know each other and share life with one another. And then once you're ordained, you kind of go different directions, and it can be hard to, to yeah. meet up with people. And so, like, to have an intentional time um, was really helpful. Yeah, and that's and I think it.
0: some of the people listening don't understand that it's just not Detroit seminarians yeah. that are at Sacred Heart. So, you have guys from mm-hmm. Lansing, from yeah. Marquette, and even some out of state like Steubenville or something mm-hmm. like that. So, like, when they scatter, you're scattering to different states yeah. and everything like that. So, it is kind of difficult to see guys, you know, in your class. Uh, to get together or whatever, you know, it, uh, mm. it it takes an effort to do it.
1: That's true. Yeah, you got to be intentional about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We
0: so we're moving back. You're in this year at Central Michigan. You're partying really hard. And... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, you're doing the, you're doing a whole you know um, campus ministry and everything like that. Like, were there some books? Were there some relationships that really helped you to like really solidify that you know mm-hmm. I I really want to make this this. Yeah. uh my life.
2: Yeah, there were some really important friendships. Another guy who was also a discerning priesthood um, who ended up being ordained, uh, Father Brad Showquist, who's a priest in the Diocese of Marquette. Um, and, you know, he, he was discerning as well. So that was really helpful to have someone who was going through the same experience as I was. Um, I remember I read, I think it's called Prayer Primer. I don't know if it's still in print by Father Thomas Dubé. That that was very helpful, and there's things mm. that even today, I, I I just recognize that came from you know reading reading that book of um, entering into prayer. Um, that that was really helpful for me um, in terms of things that I was reading at that time, but also just beginning to read scripture and, and to dive into that. That scripture was something that was very intimidating for me before uh, that year at school. I started all right, joined a Bible study where we would go through different uh, texts of scripture. Uh, being familiar with, yeah, the word of God was, was really uh, transformational during that time for me.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. So then when did you actually start applying to the seminary? Was it like the second semester around January? I mean, like...
2: Yeah, it was definitely second semester that I submitted the application. I think I began the application before that. And I remember... Whenever I sent it in, I remember I found out that I was accepted on Ash Wednesday. Oh, really? I got a call oh, from wow. yeah, Father Tim Burney uh, who told me that I was accepted. And yeah, that was very, very exciting. And then if, within the next week or so, I told people and yeah.
0: And then you met mm-hmm. the woman of your dreams. and Yeah, the next day <laughs> and I had to tell her no. yeah, Because <laughs> that happens sometimes. I mean, I, yeah. I tell the story about when I received my application that um, the devil just told me about all of my sins and and really things that I forgot that I did. And Mm -hmm. I realized some horrible things that I did and it was like, you're going to be a priest. And I just felt so accused and I felt like I was going to hell. Like I knew I was going to hell. And I like, I was almost catatonic. I couldn't speak. I went to work and I was just doing catering so I didn't have to talk a lot, but yeah, the other staff members were like, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, and Mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't, Mm. I was so afraid. And it was the rosary that really got me out of that. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so like these weird things can happen when you get an application. It's because of course the devil doesn't want one Mm -hmm. more priest in the world, of course. So.
2: Yeah. I think for a lot of the challenges that I faced was once I entered seminary Uh, Mm. and like after I was accepted, um, that it it was a challenge, a different environment, a different schedule, um realizing that discernment is also, you know, tied in with the journey of conversion and like okay mm. there's a lot that I need to like surrender to the lord in my life and am I ready to do that am I willing to do that uh, and that can be painful at times um and especially i remember that first year was was a challenge for me um just feeling like yeah i'm not holy enough i'm not worthy enough uh for this you know vocation what am i doing here Am I making the right choice or the wrong choice? Like, does God want me to be a priest or is this just something that I think is a good idea? Uh, Mm -hmm. That that was a big challenge, especially in the very beginning of seminary.
0: So you went all eight years through the seminary. Yeah.
2: So I had that one year of college, but the way that my credits transferred, I still had eight years of seminary formation. So I was a, a lifer.
0: Yeah. yeah. A lifer. Just like Just Father Just like we make the best priests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Father Tim Burney is a lifer. Too, That's right. And it's our lifers that we know that. Well, people... Father, yeah, Father David. Uh, who oh, else?
2: Golly, there's got to be some other ones, right? There's a couple guys in seminary now who I think uh,
1: I think they'll make it through. Been... Yeah.
2: Mark Tebai,
1: awesome. uh, Father Mark Tebai, he counts as a lifer, I he think. He does. That's yeah. right.
2: Um, um, Father Patrick Seto is a Chaldean priest. Was oh, in, yeah. Entered with me. I think it was the three of us who entered together who ended up being ordained. There were other guys that entered into our class after that. Yeah. But yeah, we entered college once at the very beginning.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Because you get to see like the whole gamut of what you were talking about of, you know, it's a process of discernment and then wrapped up in, you know, coming to the Lord and figuring out what this is all about. And um, I mean... You come in almost like a kid at 18 years old, yeah. 19 years old, and you're coming out ordained a priest yeah. and in charge of or in care of people's souls. And it can be yeah. a very daunting thing if you're yeah. not prepared and ready for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Entering
2: seminary, it seems like eight years seems like forever is forever that you'll never be ordained a priest. And then, <laughs> you know, it was five years ago, over five years ago, uh, that I was in seminary and. Now it seems like that was like the blink of an eye. Like it's like, yeah. it was eight years. It doesn't seem like that. Um, but yeah, looking back, it seemed very quick, but I remember, it, yeah, it seemed like it was going to last forever. Yeah, when you
1: when you first enter and you're like just ent- uh, beginning that first year. Yeah,
0: seems like an eternity. Yeah. I have a vivid memory of you at St. Joe's because my brother goes there. So okay. my nieces and nephew are there and them getting... Uh,
2: first communion or something first communion yeah. I just
0: remember this like you were a first year seminarian or something like that something, or yeah. something like that I'm like that's I see that guy in the poster you know Yeah. And it's just uh you know Knowing that now you're a priest, yeah, just kind of see you progress. But I just remember you sitting there waiting for mass to start the seminary, and probably in the summertime or off campus weekend or something. I think
2: you were ordained at the time, but we actually were in seminary together. We were okay, yeah, I think for one year. I I think you're a deacon, (laughs) I know because I entered in 2009, 2010.
0: Okay, yeah, I was ordained in in 2010, yeah, Yeah. yeah. Mm.
2: uh huh. Yeah, I know. Once you're a deacon, you're like locked in. You're you're ready you're to You're ready ordain. to get out of there. there. There's a
0: lot of stuff going on in that last year. Too. Oh, there is. Not only <laughs> yeah. are you planning your ordination and getting ready for that, but you're yeah. taking the test for the STB from sure. from Rome and everything oh, yeah. and just you're at the parish every
1: weekend. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's busy.
0: Not a, Yeah, it's not as much as like when you first come in and you have all this extra free time to do the different yeah. things. So Yeah. yeah. Especially one you know.
2: Yeah. I remember looking at the the deacons and thinking, "Wow, these guys have it all together." Yeah, these guys are like holy (laughs) and
0: yeah. How can I be like that? Remember the same thing, (laughs) same thing. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, you had a a a regular assignment. Your first assignment was at Divine Child, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How was your time at Divine Child?
2: I loved being at Divine Child. So I think you guys have probably talked about it on the podcast, but it's a pretty unique opportunity to be at a parish that has a grade school and a high school where you see people, you know, young people starting off, you know, very young, and then also seeing them grow um, all the way to the point of right before they head off to college. Um, And it's it's a pretty large school as well. So there's always stuff to do. The biggest blessing for me during my time at divine child was my two pastors. Um, I had the first two years, Father Jim Bilo was my pastor. He was a great mentor. And those first few years of priesthood, we were like, I feel like I didn't learn anything in seminary. in all those eight years, yeah, like now right. I'm in the parish, what do I do? They never yeah. taught me this. They never taught me what to <laughs> do here. Yeah. And so he was great. He was very supportive. Um, and yeah, it's good just having a, a good spiritual father uh, during those years. And then my last year, Father Bob McCabe, who both of you live with was my pastor, and yeah, his joy and just uh, him. I was with him when he was jumping into this, you know, new parish, and that oh, was yeah. uh, a lot of fun. And also, I was with him for, for COVID, you know, when everything shut down. So we spent a lot of time together, uh, oh, yeah. which was with anyone else it would be a challenge, but with him, it was it was a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. And then, how did you become chaplain? Like, what what was that whole process like?
2: Yeah, so I knew right before COVID, part of the reality of Detroit Catholic Campus Ministry is right before COVID, there were two chaplains at Wayne State, uh, priests in a religious order, the Companions of the Cross. And then there was also a full-time chaplain in Dearborn um, who was a conventual Franciscan. And so right before COVID, for different reasons, both of the religious orders, uh, they had different assignments. So Mm. there was no chaplain. And then COVID hit. And during that year, there was no full-time chaplain. Um, So I knew that like nobody was there and uh, there were priests that were filling in, um, but there was no full-time chaplain. I thought I would love to do that, both from my experience in campus ministry, when I was at at CMU, but also just a desire to work with college students. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking like, if if that became available, I would would love that opportunity. And yeah, the archbishop, when assignments are coming around, he does ask, like, what might you be interested in? I remember saying I'd be interested in something that was more like evangelically challenging, like to be able to have real uh, ability to like be put in difficult places and trying to evangelize. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember saying I was interested in working with, with young people and... So, uh, when the opening came up, I I asked, I just expressed interest in in the opening, and uh, I was chosen to to be the
0: chaplain. That's awesome. Yeah. So, like, what do you do as a chaplain? You know, I know we talked a little bit about like some of the mission trips and things that you've taken, but like, what is like a normal kind of year at Wayne State University being a part of? Yeah, know this group.
2: Even more generally, just for priesthood, I feel like every day of priesthood is completely different. Like it's just uh, you never really know what the day's going to, uh, what you're going to face that day. But even more so a- as a chaplain, um, a lot of it is you know there- there's day to day things. We have mass every day for the students. Um, we have lots of different groups and opportunities for students to get more involved. We have Bible studies. Um, Also, working with the staff that we have in campus ministry, uh, praying every day, having a holy hour every day. And then, um, one of the things that I really uh, like to do is to work with uh, students who are interested in becoming Catholic, working with RCIA, teaching RCIA. Mm. Um, But every day poses different challenges. Like, how can we better reach out to students? Or what students are, uh, you know, what's on their hearts and minds in that moment? Um, and then bringing them to me as the chaplain. Uh, also, uh, a big part of being a chaplain is spiritual direction. You have students who are more uh, more set on the, the recognition that the Lord has plans for their life, and they want to follow them and to be more open to him and to his will. And so asking for spiritual direction, that's something I find you know, very fruitful as, mm-hmm. as a chaplain, um, to be able to be like a bystander and seeing the Holy Spirit work in, in their life. Um, and yeah, like I said, every, every day is different, and sometimes we'll go out to campus and just meet random students, or like this past uh, week, uh, tabling to meet students, um, trying to meet students where they're at, uh, and have different opportunities for them to come and, and you know, uh, grow in their faith, or to dive a little deeper.
0: Um, okay, so I came to my faith in a, in a different way, in which it was sort of my own personal journey, right? And I was at Wayne State for four years. I think I walked into the chapel once. The priest kind of showed me around, and I didn't quite understand him. And I remember he brought me into the chapel, and we looked at the crucifix, and he, he pointed to it and goes, "Why did God do that?" Huh. And I thought to myself, "Well, you're the priest; you should, <laughs> you tell, should me. tell me." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And then I never went back because I just yeah. didn't know what did they do there. Like, and yeah. and I. I I probably would have liked the things that they've done. So like, what yeah. are some of the events? What are some of the groups that yeah. a young person can get involved in that like yeah. can be meaningful and fun as well?
2: Yeah, uh, I think one of the most important parts of campus ministry is follow-up. That if you have like that kind of initial encounter with a college student, you have to show enough interest that, you, that you're you interested in their life and you want them to, uh, you know, take that next step. Um, one of the ways that, we try and emphasize is being invited to events, but also getting involved in a Bible study. I think that can be one of the most fruitful experiences. Uh, Like I said, we have focused missionaries on campus who lead those Bible studies. And really, Bible studies are not just about learning things, but it's about um, really entering into the Christian life. Like Relationships as well are an important part of Bible studies. Like You bring all of yourself uh, and an opportunity to talk about the challenges in your own heart and mind, um, your own questions that you have about faith it, with a group that's supportive and is willing to walk with you in that. That, I think, is one of the most important first steps for college students. And then, like I said, the other events that we have every Sunday, we have... a uh, we have mass and then we have our Sunday supper after mass. It's a great big community event for lots of students to come. And throughout the week, we have different sorts of events. We have a college night every other Thursday night uh, where it's planned by the students, an opportunity for formation, for praise and worship, um, for adoration of the blessed sacrament. Um, and then other kind of small group opportunities. We also, uh, you know, recognize it's important to have opportunities for service as well. That Christ doesn't just call us to, uh, yeah, to, to know, know about Him, but to, to respond to the call that He gives us. So we have service opportunities as well for students to share the love that we've received with others, especially those in most need.
0: Like what? What do you do?
2: Um, some of the opportunities that we had last year were through St. Aloysius Parish, which is one of the parishes that's downtown. Uh, they have a backpack ministry where they walk out, meet people on the streets, have conversations with them, talk with them, pray with them. They have some supplies and food and resources that they connect people with. But it's like making contacts with people and uh, helping mm-hmm. them to know that they are cared about and loved and respected. And to rec- there are other people who recognize their dignity. Uh, that's mm-hmm. one of the, the big things that we've been doing. Yeah.
0: Sounds awesome. mm mm-hmm. nice. Yeah.
2: So what time is this Sunday evening Mass?
1: If somebody wants to to come and join you for Mass and and, and dinner afterwards. Yeah, if there's any... Doesn't want to get up early on Sunday.
2: Yeah, if there's any college students at any of those universities, Wayne State, U of M. Dearborn, College of Creative Studies, Henry Ford College, or even the surrounding places that's looking for a community to get involved in, it's our 5.30 p.m. Mass at Our Lady of the Rosary Church. It's on Woodward and i 94 You've probably seen it if you're from the Detroit area. It's when you drive by on I-94 and you see the big uh, the church with the big gold statue of Mary on top. That's Our Lady of the Rosary. And then immediately following the mass, we have our Sunday supper uh, in what was the the rectory where priests used to live. Now it's designated just for students, so it's a place for students to go throughout the day. Uh, to have opportunity. We have a little chapel there yeah, as well. Yeah, it's
0: amazing. So that's where you had the party for the newer priests, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so yeah. I mm-hmm. got to see it before it was that and what it is now. Yeah. And not only that, you guys fixed up the parish a lot too. I mean, like you got in some new paint on the walls and some statues and different things like that. So like to come into that rectory and to see like each room for like, oh, you can have a meal here. You've got a coffee station. Yeah, You got rooms to talk upstairs. They got TV rooms with, you know, a number of couches and things like that. I mean, looks like a really cool place to just hang out and, you know.
2: Yeah, we have students stop by
0: throughout the day, like just looking for a quiet place to study on
2: campus. Also, if students want to park at, the parish or at the church, they can, because you have to pay for parking on campus. So it's like a 10 minute walk to campus. So that's a benefit. Um, Yeah. And just to like be with other people, you know? Yeah.
0: So what would you tell, I'm sorry, what would you tell a, a young person right now, a young man, let's say, who is thinking about the priesthood, especially in this day and age?
2: Something that would be very helpful. There's lots of things that I would probably, and you know there's. Working with young people, uh, working with college students, it's like a normal thing to, to think about priesthood. Um, so it's a conversation that you know happens very often. Um, but I think one of the important things that you might not initially think of, you think of prayer, you think of asking the Lord for, for guidance and uh, deeper understanding of your own vocation. One thing that I think is very helpful Especially in kind of this day and age, is finding uh, a priest as a spiritual director uh, to be able to guide you. Like um, with you know, we live in an age of distraction where constantly uh, um, you know things are being thrown at young people either online or socially. Like to be able to have an opportunity to have someone else to be able to talk to about what's going on in in their own heart. Who has familiarity with the spiritual life? Um, to have a priest that you can be able to speak to, I think is is very helpful yeah. um, because there is just so much being thrown at you know young mm-hmm. people. Uh, that spiritual direction, I think, would be a great opportunity. If a guy thought, hmm, maybe uh, maybe God could be calling me to be a priest, or I've never really thought of that. What might be the next step? Um, getting connected with a priest. Uh, for speech rejection, I think would be a great first step.
0: So two things that you said in that little spiel there is, first of all, that it's a normal thing for men to be thinking this. So talk about it. Like, Don't be afraid. And other people are thinking the same thing. And if you start talking to your priest about it or your campus minister or whatever, they're not going to be like, oh, you have to join tomorrow because we need priests or something like that. No, that's just having a conversation with someone who can lead you and if you have a hard time finding a priest that would be a good spiritual director for you you want to contact the vocation office because i would be happy to hook you up with a particular priest that would be Mm -hmm. willing to work with you while you're discerning the priesthood Mm -hmm. and to help you figure that out Uh, so i've been putting together a list in different areas yeah so yeah Contact me if if you're really looking for a spiritual director.
2: Yeah, and like you mentioned too, you know when someone does start to think about priesthood, the evil one does not like that, right? And mm-hmm. tries to throw things at you know uh, a young person to distract them, to lead them away from that. And uh, yeah, having a guide can be really helpful during that time. Yeah, you know,
0: it's amazing when guys have come to my office to ask for an application. Uh, Their car broke down that morning. Um, They got called in from work that it was an emergency and they had to come into work and they didn't know if they could make it. So all these different weird little things would happen that are not just coincidences. Mm -hmm. That
2: happened to me. My car broke down. Yeah, I met with Father Tim Burney. uh, We went to a restaurant. And the last time my car ever started was when I went home from that meeting. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. It got me there and got me back, which was good enough. But then it died after that, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But to remember also, too, is that, yeah, we might be waging a war against darkness and principalities, but we have the God of light that is more powerful than anything because evil is just the absence of good. It's not a positive thing. And Mm. God is positive. Amen. You know, amen to that, like... We might have a target on our back if if we're thinking about a certain vocation, but God will give us the grace to overcome that always. Mm-hmm. So never be afraid to accept your vocation because mm-hmm. God will supply the need that we need.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say, like, I don't know, young guys, if there is even a small desire uh, for priesthood, like, pursue that. That's something that doesn't happen very often in the hearts of young people. And... um you know, God speaks to us in silence and often in those quiet desires of our hearts and and to pay attention to that, like something beautiful uh, could be happening in, in your heart in those moments. I think like myself, I thought, okay, Lord, if you're calling me priesthood, I'll push it off to a much later time, later date. Um, but really another important kind of piece of advice is like the best place to discern priesthood is the seminary, right? That you can mm-hmm. only discern priesthood so much uh, outside of seminary
0: um, and the seminary is a place for discernment yeah and not to yes. scare anybody but like you know i mean sometimes we can miss our opportunity and i had co- yeah. conversations with guys in their 60s and yeah you know if it was a different life i wish i would have made that sacrifice when i was younger or something like that and there's that regret mm. that they have and you know, we're always told that we can do anything and be anything we want, no matter what, if we mm-hmm. if we just want it. And, you know, sometimes we can miss those opportunities. Yeah. So start young. If if you're thinking about what God is calling you to do, you know, start now. Start yeah. praying. Yeah. To Amen. Hear the master speak. Amen. Anything uh, you want to share, Father David, with any of that?
1: Amen to all that. Talking to priests was hugely helpful for me as well. So I recommend that as well.
0: Yeah. Maybe that could be something that next time you have you know, your young priest group get together or something, we can invite some young men to that just to see yeah. how normal yeah. hanging out with some young priests is. For you know, sure. Like, For sure. Of mm-hmm. course, I think you bought Costco brand water, right? And did you buy yeah. Costco brand bratwursts as well? Oh, yes. They were. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All the supplies. And they were delicious. <laughs> so they? to bring that first full circle, I think, you know what, Father David, I love you, but I think Father Matt... Was yes. more honest with no. his questions. answers and, wow. and uh, had questions himself. I think no. Father Matthew is the Costco king. Wow! Oh. Thank you so much. So I, oh my goodness! I hereby crown <laughs> the you. priest who is the Costco king. Also, Fa- <laughs> Father David
2: owes his love of Costco to me. That I was at divine child before him, and we had. I had the the membership, and I said this should pass on well, after I leave. And I think well, I told you you should sh- shop at Costco.
1: He does have a point there. He does have a point wait, wait, there. You he, never he shopped not... at
0: Costco before Father Matthew told you about it?
1: <laughs> well, now, I wouldn't go quite that far.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't go quite that far. I inspired a my, new fervor. my
1: love of Costco deepened when I was at Divine Child, but I don't think you... You could take credit for introducing me to cigars, but Costco samples were something that was a, a love of my heart far before Divine Child. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, ouch, Father Craig. I'm going to walk away in shame today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can walk away, but just don't walk away mad, right? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Father Matt, you know, anything else that you want to share with, you know, what's on your heart or if the Lord's calling you to say anything right now? I don't want to cut you off on anything and just make sure that you have a platform here.
2: Yeah, just for young men who might have even a small desire to think about priesthood, to have Courage to you know not be afraid uh, that you know something yeah the Lord is might be doing something really beautiful in that and to to really seek that um, and to not just draw back or try and push it off. Um, what the Archbishop says often is like there's not a problem of the Lord calling; it's a problem of people hearing His call. And yeah, to pay attention to that and and respond mm. with courage because it's where the Lord is calling you in your life where you'll be most fulfilled and most happy. Um, and amen. so, yeah, don't run from that.
0: Amen. And it comes yeah. with sacrifice, and that's okay. When we make yeah. a commitment, that's what being a man is all about. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Praise God. Well, Father Matt, thank you for being here today. It was really wonderful to Thanks talk about your vocation me. story and being a chaplain and yeah. learning a little bit more about Costco, things I didn't even know about with Costco.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. adventure. Great. Yeah.
0: Well, Great having you, you, Father Matt. Yeah. Would you like to lead us out in prayer?
2: The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we ask you to send forth laborers into the harvest, that we come before you seeking your grace and your mercy uh, and recognizing uh, the need here in the archdiocese for priests. And we, we turn to you trusting in your goodness, and we place all of our confidences in your hand. We, we entrust ourselves to Our Lady, the mother of priests, that she might intercede in a particular way for, for this particular desire. Um, and that she might inspire and protect the hearts of young men who are thinking about priesthood. We ask all of this in your name, Lord, for you are God forever and ever.
0: Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me every episode, Father Craig Guerra and me, Father David Pelican, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.